0: You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel podcast. The channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time,
1: with your host, Steve Francis.
0: Hi everyone, welcome to Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel. My special guest today is Sally Hodell, a lifelong Elvis fan and historian. Sally also has a degree in journalism from the Michigan State University, and she is the author of a brand new Elvis book, Destined to Die Young. Hi, Sally, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Now, um, one of the first things uh, that strikes me when I see a new book, and probably a lot of Elvis fans as well, would ask uh, why? What inspires this book after all these years and so many Elvis books? So what what is uh, what is the inspiration for this book that you've written?
1: Uh, it's, it's a big question, you know, and it's, it's multifaceted. Um, I've always been an Elvis fan. Yeah, I've been an, an Elvis fan since I was eight or 10 years old. And just consistently throughout my life, really read, you know, whatever came out, right? Whatever came out, I'd get the new book and I'd read it. And I think the thing with Elvis that keeps all of us fans coming back are all the contradictions, right? There's always, there's contradictions within Elvis, and then there's also, I think you kind of leave each book maybe with more questions than answers, because he is such a, you know, he's a, he's a good guy, he's a Christian, he's a guy who's against smoking and drinking, yet he develops this prescription drug problem. And those kind of contradictions never quite made sense to me. So I think I was just always, you know, looking for those answers and reading more and more, And in recent years, you know, my husband's a little bit older than I am and his friends in particular, I just think there's always this, this feedback about Elvis as he was just a, you know, a guy who took too many pills and he died. And I think his legacy amongst non-Elvis fans has been tarnished by that. And I think in a way that's really unfair because I personally believe that Elvis's contributions to the world you know, are, are up there with Henry Ford and Thomas Edison. Like he, he culturally shifted our our American culture for sure. You know, and it reached around the world in a way that has never been done before or since. So I always felt like it was unfair that it was chipped away at with with his downfall as opposed to his success, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So you feel so, there's, there's there's been injustice and misunderstanding around what yeah. what what killed Elvis yeah. Presley. What killed Elvis Presley?
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I think his because you know so many people look at his story right and they see a um, a story of self-destruction, and I've I've just never seen Elvis that way. I've always seen him as this guy who was struggling to survive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I look at his death, you know, I think for years I was it was probably in the back of my mind that why did he die such a similar way as Gladys? Mm-hmm. Gladys didn't take the same pills as Elvis took. Yet they died at a very similar age and a very similar, you know, degenerative pattern of about a four-year health decline. So why is that? And that just kind of always stuck with me. So I'll, I'll tell you a quick little story about how it kind of came together initially. Okay. Um, so I was 8 or 10 years old, and I'd saved my money. And this was probably, you know, sometime in the 80s when all those new books were coming out on Elvis. And I'd go to the store and I'd, you know, I have original copies of Elvis and me and Elvis and Gladys and uh, several of the books that were coming out. I'd save my money and I'd buy them and I'd read them, you know, even as an eight and 10 year old. And I did set my interest in Elvis aside for several years just because, you know, I went to college in the nineties and there weren't a lot of Elvis fans. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it wasn't something I connected with in people with people in my age group. So I would set it aside. I was always a fan, but it wasn't something I talked about. And, you know, you go to college, you start your career, get married, have kids, all of that. And always a fan, but I had kind of set it aside. Um, my sister was also a big Elvis fan, and she passed away a few years ago. And when we were cleaning out her stuff, she had all of my old Elvis books that I had bought as an eight and 10 year old. So I rediscovered all those books, and one of them was Elvis and Gladys by Elaine Dundee. I, I don't know if you've read that or not.
0: Yes. I have, yep.
1: Um, So I got that book back, and I remember as an 8-year-old just struggling to read it because it was it's a, it's a little bit more complicated subject. It's not just the rise to fame and the women and the rock and roll and all that stuff that's fun to read about. It was a lot, a lot of ancestry and, and that kind of thing. So as an 8-year-old, I struggled to read it. And when I got it back a few years ago, you know, I sat down and I read it in a day. And it was just kind of my aha moment of discovering in that book that Elvis's maternal grandparents were first cousins. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, that thought just sat with me for a long time. Like, what if that's the answer? <laughs> what if that is why Elvis has all of these health problems? Maybe this is why he dies in a similar way as his mother. And maybe the prescription medication was a self-medicating kind of situation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it just started with that idea. And I started to research and I started to find more and more things that really supported my idea. And then, you know, it comes back to the whole thing I started with, where I feel, I feel like Elvis is not held in the high enough esteem as he should be, given his contributions. And again, he's more, you know, noted oftentimes for like this, you know, he's become an image, right? He's, his humanity has been chipped away at. And I say all the time that Elvis is as recognizable worldwide as Coca-Cola and Mickey Mouse. <laughs> but the difference is that Elvis was a real person. He was a human being. Yeah. And I think his image is so big that we've forgotten that as a society, as a culture.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I I I, uh, I was struck by something. I think uh, I I read it. I I think I read that, that he's one of the few people as well that can be instantly recognizable just by his first name. He doesn't need uh his yes. his surname. That's that's just how great right. you know, that's how famous he is.
1: It's it's huge. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. So so he's just piecing those two things together of the the why. Why did this guy develop this problem? Because it doesn't make sense to me that he did. You know, this guy who's against, he even tells one of the guys, you know, I'm against drinking because I don't ever want to be out of control of myself. And he didn't like seeing his relatives drink because they were out of control of themselves. So it doesn't add up that he would start taking tons of pills all the time and want to be out of control of himself. So You know, I don't believe that Elvis took medication initially. It did become a problem, and I'm not sugarcoating that. My book doesn't sugarcoat it. But he took medication so that he could continue being Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. And he didn't take medication. His goal was not to escape reality, and that's the definition of an addict, someone who takes a lot of medication to escape reality. That's more of an addict. He was taking a lot of medication to try to function within his
0: world yeah well uh, uh, something that struck me when i was reading your book was uh, a line that says the elvis of 1957 had the same underlying health problems as the elvis of 1977 so you know people seem to remember the, the 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 decline from sort of like 1975 to 77 as when he had all the problems right but that right. That, that sentence in your book there leads me to believe that um you know, these these problems were genetic and he had these problems from birth.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's part of the thing that, that, you know, makes it so fascinating for humans, right, is that you see this Elvis of 1957 who's absolutely perfect. Looks like no one has ever looked before.
2: Yeah, yeah. And
1: then he has this degenerative pattern that leaves him this 42-year-old that looks very different. So visually, I can see why that image and that, pattern has stuck in people's heads but it's what happened in between there you know that i and really even before 1957 that is the real story because yes it is i i believe my book points out that much of it was genetic much of it was out of his control so if there are you know there are 11 systems in the body uh elvis had disease and disorder by 1977 and nine of them mm-hmm. and my book weighs out that five of them i have proven were there since birth and yeah. very early on, and certainly before fame, which is the most important thing, because what is it everybody always talks about, right? Like Elvis has this, all these problems, and, and a lot of fans know about what his health ailments were. You know, it's not normal for a 35- to 40-year-old to have glaucoma and diabetes and hypertension and arthritis, severe arthritis. These are not normal ailments for a 35- to 40-year-old 40 40 year man, but they always got excused away as, well, it must have been caused by all that drug use.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And... And again, there's more to that story, and that's that's what this book explores.
0: Yeah, I mean, let, let's just touch on on you. You touched on a few things there that uh, the problems he, he had. I mean, he, he had um, circulatory problems, uh, his, his lungs, mm-hmm. uh, the respiratory system, uh, his digestive system. You mentioned uh, the glaucoma in the eyes. Right. Um, also, there was insomnia, acute insomnia. Yeah.
1: And insomnia um, from a very early age, which is a, a nervous system condition.
0: Yeah. No. Exactly. Because again, you know, because,
1: again, uh, uh, you know m- modern modern Americans tend to think like, oh, if you can get by on no sleep, that's great because you can produce even more, you can do even more, you know. But it's not normal to not sleep, and our bodies need sleep to heal.
0: Oh yes. So yes, it's very you important. Know,
1: insomnia is a real issue.
0: Yeah, because again, you see, people seem to think that his insomnia stemmed from when he was famous. But in your book, you say, no, from a very early age, he was an insomniac.
1: Very early. And everyone, you know, it's in almost everyone's book um, confirming that, saying Elvis, you know, always talked about how he couldn't sleep as a teenager. And then to go back and read someone's book, like, you know, Maxine Brown, who was part of the Browns, the country group that toured with Elvis in, you know, 54, 55, in the very early days. Uh, Elvis had stayed at their house in Arkansas, I believe, Um, on the way back from one of their tours. And... Mrs. Brown, the mother of the, the trio, um, said, you know, he like, tore up the sheets. He was moving all night long. He, you know, he just does not sleep. And, and everyone knew that to be true. Scotty Moore talked about it a lot. You know, they'd get back in the car during those early days after a show, and he wouldn't sleep. He would be fidgeting and talking all night long. It would get to the point where they'd pull over and let him walk around for a while just so they could drive in peace, perhaps,
2: you know. Yeah. And also, <laughs> so, it's, it's, well docu-
0: it's well documented as well that he was a sleepwalker. Mm-hmm. which again is bad for sleep because when you're sleepwalking, obviously you're not getting the proper rest you should be.
1: Correct. Correct. So he never got a restful sleep, you know, and we see that in 1973 after his October hospital stay, you know, Dr. Dick really wants to see if he can get him to reach a, a state of restful sleep without any medication. So after he was in the hospital for two weeks in October, he's not on any medication at all. And it goes back to Graceland And Dr. Nick says, we're going to see, you know, let's try to get you to sleep. No medication. And it was 72 hours. Elvis was wide awake.
0: Wow. 72 hours is a long time. 72
1: hours. Wow. And that was a real realization for Dr. Nick, too, that he could not sleep without medication.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: And you have to remember, too, you know, one of the other issues, and I know I'm I'm jumping around a lot because there's just so much information in this book. But uh, you have to remember, too, that Ambien... And, you know, Lunesta, Nesta, those kind of prescription medications for insomnia or, you know, interrupted sleep, they didn't exist then. Hmm. So Dr. Nick had to use things like Valium and other things that develop over time a tolerance, so he'd have to take more to get
2: sleep.
0: Okay, so um, can we just, uh, one of the other things I want to touch on as well, actually, is the, <laughs> um, the, the problem he had with his uh, digestion. And the mega colon, we 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 yes. under, we understand that that was a, a very serious problem, not just for Elvis, but for the Presleys and the Smiths. In fact, Lisa Marie was is actually uh, she when she was uh, interviewed by Oprah, she actually mentioned that it was a, a problem for all the Presleys.
1: Yeah, she described it as a chronic situation.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah. yes, you know, and 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 I've traced it to other people in the Presley family as well, sales Presley. Ah, uh, cousin of Vernon's, he died of digestive problems, you know, in uh, his thirties. And uh, Valeria, Valeria, uh, Presley, she also died of um, some type, some type of intestinal problem, and again in her thirties. So, so something definitely going on, you know, on that side of the family uh, with that problem. And with Elvis, what really was, you know, I had. Um, I had someone quoted that had lived in Lauderdale court saying that Elvis was, you know, I think he was, he wasn't well liked by this guy. And this guy described him as like a pimple faced kid who, you know, always had to go to the bathroom and couldn't. Right. right. (laughs) So I, I had that confirmed that he had constipation issues in Lauderdale court, but that was the earliest known confirmation until I did this book. And Annie Presley, who was, uh, cousin of Vernon through marriage she was married to Salz presley um she confirmed that gladys had such a trouble such trouble trying to get uh dealing with elvis's constipation when he was a very young child a toddler and into childhood and she tried milk and magnesia and all these things and she would have to you know manually help him to have a bowel movement because he had such constipation problems so mm. you know dr nick um, in his book, he went with the idea that he believed Elvis probably suffered from Hirschsprung disease, and I think that's that's absolutely true. I think it's there's so much evidence of it, and what that means is that the end of his colon wouldn't have been fully wired with nerves, yeah. so the end part of his colon never worked properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So.
0: And and again, he, he, o- o- so over when, the years, over the years, people have pointed to yes. his drug abuse as causing that. But you know, if right. w- if he had this problem so far back, at Lauderdale courts courts before he even started taking medication, then it's it's completely false. Completely false.
1: It's completely false. It's completely false. And there, many of the medications he took would have slowed down the digestive system. Hmm. So it doesn't do him any favors when he already has this problem. But he had such an extreme problem, and that's why I say that in 1957, Elvis is just as sick as he is in 77 even if he doesn't look it because he would have had extreme constipation problems even in 1957 and it would have caused an extreme amount of pain and in my opinion you know that's why he turns to the prescription medication because you know everybody knows what it's like to have a stomach ache for a day or two can you imagine 20 30 years yeah and when you know you get to the autopsy results and you start looking at that and he has you know fecal material in his colon that is four months old
0: yeah, it's it's, it's it, it is it's a chronic chronic issue, isn't it? When you it's, when you it's a that.
1: huge chronic problem, it is, and it can become toxic, and it can create all sorts of infection problems, which it did for Elvis, because you know you need to move waste throughout your body at, at a particular pace and rate, or it will become a, an issue, and and it did for him, and it's part of the reason he was dealing with all this infection issue during the last ten years of his life as well. But you just you cannot discount the pain that would have been caused by this. I was just going to say that there there are two illustrations of a normal colon and a mega colon in my book. And you can even, you know, you can Google it and you can look at a real one, you know, on, on YouTube and, and you, it just makes you realize how much pain he would have been in. And it, and it is not just when he's bloated at the end and you can tell he has issues. It's long before that. And we have proof of that because, I think it's 1971, 72, somewhere in there, where he writes the TCB oath, right? Which most, most fans have read. And it's mostly karate-driven, you know, goals and things like that. But at the end, he says freedom from constipation.
0: Yes. Yeah. In that
1: TCB oath. So if you put, it, put the time that he wrote that as the visual of that's the way it is, where he's in the white jumpsuit and he's doing all, I mean, it's a very physical, active concert, right? Yes. When you watch that concert. Yeah. and he's doing karate moves and everything, he had serious constipation issues to the yeah. point where he wrote it down in an oath. Yeah. And I think we can all imagine the kind of pain that would have caused and the kind of medication that would have been necessary to perform like that over that pain.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, you also said that he had uh, infection issues as well. Uh, he suffered from tonsillitis uh, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't be removed because nobody could uh, guarantee his voice after the operation. Uh, in fact, right. L- Lisa Marie had hers taken out.
1: Um, yes, and, and he, was always, he always felt glad, you know, that he could have... Part of his prescription medication problem, too, is he, he saw his access to health care as success. Because so, he was so proud and pleased that he could, that Lisa Marie could have that surgery and have her tonsils removed. Uh, because as a child, and you know, I talk about it in the book too, where, you know, in, in 19, excuse me, 30s and 40s, Tupelo, parents lived in fear that their child would have something really wrong with them because they knew they couldn't afford the medical care to help them. So, Elvis has bouts of tonsillitis as a child, and they're severe you know, to the point where Vernon said they thought they were going to lose him once or twice because mm-hmm. his fever would be so high. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if he should have had them out as a child, they never would have been able to afford that surgery or that care. And, you know, Guy Harris, when I interviewed him, he had to about that. Too. He said, yeah, if we had anything, and we had stuff, but boy, you just got through it and you moved forward because there wasn't money or time to do anything else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Elvis has tonsillitis as a child. We have records of it when he's in the army it's in his army records um it plagued him throughout his life and he then he never has them once he becomes famous he doesn't want to have the tonsils removed because he doesn't want to hurt his voice that's absolutely true uh but they say his tonsils were so bad they were, you know they had holes in them wow towards the end there wow. so that's how they're described and well, that's just from chronic infection
0: yeah, well, when I was younger, I had very, very bad tons- tonsillitis, so I can sort of uh, be sympathetic to what he went through. It can be extremely, mm. extremely bad. And I think Gladys and Vernon uh, said prayers and the next morning uh, I- his fever broke. But it was that close, you know, they, they that as a, almost as a last resort. You know, the doctors had given up uh, and they, they prayed to God and he came through. So. Uh,
1: Absolutely. And, you know, Elvis, in some uh, records, you know, our quotes, are just, he's described as a child as having, uh, you know, a low appetite, just never gaining weight. Um, his fever always ran high. Someone was, I think it might have been Annie Press that said something like that. You know, his fever, he always had a high temperature. Um, so something, you know, he, he, I believe he was immunocompromised from the very beginning. We know from his uh, autopsy that he had something called hypogamma uh, and what that is, it's an immune system problem where your body doesn't make enough antibodies to fight infection. And it's most common that you see it with things like pneumonia, meningitis, and tonsillitis.
2: Hmm.
1: So we know that we have that. That we know that he had that from the autopsy, and then you can connect it, and you can see it throughout his life. And you know, the funny thing is, is that before the army there wouldn't be any medical records for all this right because they really couldn't afford a lot of healthcare and no one's writing down every time he has a fever or he's sick because he's not famous and then in the army we have medical records that show that he's having these problems and then again from the army until he starts having um, treated being treated by Dr. Nick there's no records again but then when he's treated by Dr. Nick and again not everything's written down because they're not typical office visits where you know records are kept but when Dr. Nick becomes his doctor then we see again record a pretty consistent infection throughout throughout his life so we see it whenever it's recorded but we have to be cognizant of the fact that it wasn't recorded you know for for big periods of time because he wasn't famous basically Mm -hmm. or because he didn't have a steady doctor in the 60s so it doesn't mean it didn't happen is what
0: i'm saying yeah oh yeah yeah now uh, i i have to say that um you know i agree 100 percent with what you're saying um, you know, Elvis probably wasn't destined to uh, live to be old because of these pre-existing problems, but also his lifestyle didn't help. Um, you know, is 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 eating habits was high fat, high carbohydrate, inadequate sleep. We've we've already touched on that, haven't we? So. You mm-hmm. know, on t- on top of all that as well, he, he had those problems where he had a unique lifestyle. There was no blueprint for somebody being as famous as Elvis. I mean, exactly. El- Elvis was the first rock star. Uh, and, you know, the, the bar is set by everybody comparing themselves to Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. He was the first. So there was no blueprint for being Elvis Presley. So on top of all these health problems that he had, he also had this unique lifestyle of being Elvis.
2: Mm-hmm. So that, that wouldn't have absolutely. helped. That
0: wouldn't have helped.
1: You yeah, absolutely. Oftentimes with Elvis, and i described it probably four or five times with different situations in the book, as you know, there's a double whammy type of situation, you know, where two things come together that are both really bad. So we know he had that hypogammaglobulinemia, where his body does not make enough antibodies to properly fight infection. He has low T cells. We know that was the case. And then on top of it, because of his fame, he decides it's easier to live at night. And one of those reasons was because it was very hard for him to be rude to fans. He didn't want to tell anyone no. So when he went out at night, he didn't have to. Um, it was just easier for it to to exist. But what happens when you live at night? I mean without question, Elvis had to have vitamin D deficiency, correct?
0: Yes, because of the lack <laughs> of know? sunlight. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A lack of sunlight. And in the 70s, the 50s, 60s, 70s, no one took supplements of vitamin D. Hmm. No one hmm. heard of that yet. No one did that. And I've confirmed that You know, with, with Tish, his nurse. No one took vitamin D supplements. And then he's living at night. And then he has an immune system that doesn't work. So you're, it's a double whammy for the immune system. Because hmm. you know, as we're hearing even more today, that the best way to not get COVID is to have your vitamin D levels out where they should be. You have a seventy percent increased risk if you have low vitamin D, they say, yeah, so think about that what, what would have done to Elvis when his body can't fight infection like mm. it should mm. and then he has no sun exposure or very little
0: yeah so so it, uh, you know what what I say is, is is correct, you know on top of all the health problems he had as well, the lifestyle he had uh, lead uh, wasn't wasn't good either uh, it didn't help matters. and
1: I agree, but the other the other thing to consider though. Um, there's a lot of myths surrounding the way he ate, in my opinion. Did he love to indulge? Yes. Did he love rich foods? Absolutely. But his early years, it was mostly vegetables that he ate because meat was too expensive. Mm. And you see that even when, like if you read Nick Adams' book, when he goes to see Elvis and his family, and when he visits them at the Audubon house, it's a lot of sliced tomatoes and peas and corn, you know, because that was what they were used to eating. And that's stays a staple in Elvis's diet as well. Um and all this food is made there at Graceland. You know, it's not processed food. Is it cooked in fat? Absolutely. Um but there is a lot of myth associated with that. So people would say, you know, yeah, he would order this huge breakfast, but he never ate all of it. He just liked knowing that he could order it. <laughs> and Linda, you know, Linda Thompson confirms that. She was, he'd say, Well I was I was poor and I couldn't afford anything. So now this is the breakfast I order, even if I'm not going to eat it. Because yeah. I like that I can order it, you know. So yeah. there was a lot of that. And uh, Ron Strauss also broke a huge mess. And I think it's one of the biggest stories that has contributed to this overeating, you know, idea of Elvis um, always being indulgent. And uh, the story of the Fool's Gold Sandwich in Colorado, how the story has always been that Elvis just got on the Lisa Marie, and they, they flew out to Colorado and they bought this huge, you know sandwich like a jar of peanut butter on each one it's bacon pound of bacon and that story has always been used to say gosh elvis was such a glutton he was still so indulgent well Robin Strauss, Elvis's one of elvis's pilots of the lisa marie has told us recently that it was lisa marie's birthday and yeah. they were taking her back to california back to see priscilla be with priscilla and they stopped for those sandwiches so it would be fun for her and her birthday
0: yeah, and, and they all, and they also they cut
1: them up on the plane
0: and they handed them out. You know that. Yeah, I mean, also he wasn't on his own. He wasn't eating all it. He he had the entourage as well that were eating it. You know, there could have been fifteen other people absolutely. eating it. So, but of course, it doesn't make such a sensationalistic story. You know, to, you know, it right. you know the, the papers. It doesn't sell as well if you say you know the truth. Um, yeah so just you right. mentioned you mentioned Ron Strauss there his pilot you also spoke to yes. uh, Barbara Hearn Smith who uh, dated him in uh-huh. 1956 you spoke to Marion yes. Marion Cock and uh, Tish yep. Henley Kirk as well didn't you
1: yes yeah Guy Harris
0: oh yeah Boy, um, boyhood friend Guy I, Harris yeah
1: yeah I was fortunate to speak with him because he passed recently and um, I spent a day with him and it was it was just so enjoyable and then several um, other people in Tupelo, you know, his cousin Lee, uh, Lee Clark, oh yeah, and Isaiah, Isaiah Smith Moore. Just so some of the people that maybe haven't been looked at as as, as often, uh, but they were filled with information about what it would be like to grow up in Tupelo and all of that. So, yeah, super fortunate to talk to all of those people.
0: Um, I spoke to Barbara Hearn Smith a few uh, months ago for my podcast, and uh, sh- I was just, I was blown away. Such a beautiful woman inside and out. Really, you know, she was just, uh, I was just blown away. Lovely woman.
1: Absolutely. I was uh, able to meet with her in Tennessee in person, all my interviews in person, actually. And um, I sat down with her and her husband, and it, it was just such a nice, time a nice conversation they're lovely her husband has a has a great story too you know because he was in the cia so both really fascinating people they've had a great life i really enjoyed i really enjoyed connecting with tish henley kirk um just incredibly knowledgeable and close with elvis and really able to share a lot of that health perspective with me and lead me in the right direction and and you know we both agree that elvis did have a problem but why so she was just really helpful Mm. you
0: know on that quest mm. now we we also uh we, we, we can't uh, not mention his relationship with uh colonel parker and uh sure. people are divided some people say that uh he overworked elvis uh, other people say well elvis had to work to keep everybody paid uh what's what's your opinion on on colonel parker
1: well you know this book really i didn't know that i would develop Uh, an opinion or really find an answer for myself anyway in understanding that relationship but I I did it came along uh, with this this process of studying Elvis so closely and I will say though first of all and I say it in my conclusion that I don't believe there are villains and heroes in this story and I know like you said people are split right and they've decided who's the villain who the villains are and who the heroes are (laughs) and 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 I don't and I don't think that's our job. I mean, we weren't there and these were real people. We can provide some analysis and maybe even some insight because they were so close. Maybe we would see something that they didn't see, but to categorize people like that, I think is wrong. because It was real life and these were real people.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Um,
1: so, and we'll never know the full truth no matter what. Right. And, and each person involved has a different version of the truth because it's their own version because it was their life. They yeah. lived it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Having said that, there is so much controversy and so much disagreement around the colonel. But by understanding Elvis as a provider, which I lay out throughout my book. You know, Elvis was not driven to be this rock and roll star in the beginning. He was driven to provide for his parents. Mm -hmm. That was his only goal. And it remains his goal. And it's why in the 70s, when he is so sick and should not be working anymore, he keeps working because he has even more people to take care of it grew far beyond vernon and gladys so when i see elvis as this provider and that being his only goal then it makes sense to me that he put the colonel in charge of providing the money basically so the colonel's job is to make the money and elvis knows that and i believe he agrees to that in 1956 he knows that the colonel's a lot more shrewd than him. You know, Elvis is this guy who's so polite, right? And he's yes sir, no ma'am. You know, always treats the little people as good as the same as big people. You know, treats everyone the same. A good guy, and he gets paired with this man who who doesn't even have the ability to say hello and goodbye and thank you most of the time,
2: <laughs>
1: right? That doesn't make sense. When you think of someone you're going to spend a lot of time with, you want to have similar personalities probably, right? But I think that Elvis chooses the colonel because he sees the the fact that the colonel is focused on money. Everybody knows that. No one disputes that. His job is to make the money, and he's good at it. And I think that's the agreement that Elvis comes to with himself as well when it comes to the colonel. To me, it just helped explain that relationship to me because I've never... I've never had peace with that. I've never understood it. But for me, that, that settled it for me, is that their relationship was by design mm-hmm. so that Elvis could provide for his family because the colonel was good at making money. And Elvis is not driven by money, and we know that. He's so generous. He doesn't save it like he should. He spends it like he shouldn't. Uh, but he knows he needs it in order to be that provider that he prides himself on being.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've often thought Elvis's fame... Uh surprised himself in the end i don't think he really believed he would get as big as he did as you say i think he just thought he'd put a roof over his mum and dad's head uh they'd have some cars you know uh they yep. his, his his uh his, mom, his mother would never have to work again his father would never have to work again mm-hmm. but then it just skyrocketed out of control you know he just yep. became this huge huge megastar and uh I was struck I, I spoke to uh his co-star cynthia pepper uh co-star mm-hmm. of uh kissing cousins a few weeks ago and she uh, she told me a story about how they were waiting to film a scene they were sat in a jeep and he turned to her and said Do you know he says cynthia i don't even know what i'm doing here he says i should be driving a truck you know he was still. <laughs> she said you know he, she felt that he was still that tr- truck driver you know he wasn't this big star he wasn't this Elvis Presley and he actually said that at, at times didn't he he says uh, the image the, the image is one thing and the human being is another it's very hard to live up to Absolutely. an image and there definitely were there, there definitely was two Elvis presleys it was the image and then there was just the country boy from Tupelo
1: I agree with that, and I, but at the same time, I'm not sure they're so far apart because everybody would say yeah, he'd get nervous being on stage, but he was just him. Like there weren't, you know, it was just Elvis was so real and he was so genuine. Uh, I do think though that, like the clothes and the hair and all of that, did become the image, right? Because he was just this poor kid from Tupelo. So I, I think both of those statements are oddly true at the same time.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. because
1: he was so genuine, and everybody says so. Like he was, he didn't go to a movie set with a big ego and act mm. like he wanted to be treated differently than everyone. He wanted to be treated like anyone else. Yeah. He says that to his maid, you know, he used to have that great conversation with Nancy, his maid. And, and he was, I think she was calling him Mr. Presley. And he was like, you know, I don't want that here. I want, I want to come home. I don't want to be a rock star. I want to just relax my house. Yeah. And she said, well, how about I treat you like my brother? And he's like, that would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so even the people that he's paying, you know, to clean his house or cook, he still wants to be on the same level as them. And I just think it's because he was a decent person. He was a decent human being and he stayed a decent human being. So we can talk about how fame was such a toll for him. And it was, I think he's always afflicted by being Elvis, the person his parents raised him to be and Elvis, the famous guy, because fame brought things into his life that he never thought he'd have to choose. Right. He never thought he'd have to make those big decisions that fame and money brought. He never thought. So when it, when it does happen, He doesn't always make the right decision, but um, he's always conflicted between being those two people. But at the same time, he remains this generous, decent person really throughout his life. And everybody like who was saying recently. um, I think someone was telling me about the person who wrote the recent book on him being in Vegas. And the author was looking for someone who had something bad to say about Elvis and he couldn't find anybody (laughs) who had anything bad to say about Elvis. The people who have met him. They all speak highly. Yeah, and, it does. and that says something.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, credit should go to Vernon and, and Gladys for the upbringing as well. You know, without
1: a uh, question, we are all a product of our yeah. parents. We're all a product of our of yeah. our upbringing. You know, both good and bad. And and Gladys said, you know, she's quoted many times as saying, "Success for me is seeing that he knows how to treat people and that mm. he's respectful and that he has integrity." Yeah, that she, that meant more to her than the money and the records and the fame.
0: So this leads us to um, this amazing life coming to an end in August 1977. Uh, Most, as as you say, a lot of people just say, oh, well, you know, he he died in his bathroom uh, through prescription drug abuse and overeating and all this. But it couldn't be further from the truth, really, could it? Because what you say in your book is that um, it's to do with the colon problem. And uh, something called, is it the Valsalva Maneuver?
1: Um, it is. Well, I always say it wrong. Vel- Valsalva Maneuver.
0: Yeah, yes. yeah.
1: So that is what it comes down to. And let's let's talk about that in a minute because we really haven't talked about where it all started. You know, and the first chapter of my book is very ancestry-driven, which a lot of people might not expect, right?
2: Yeah, okay. Because
1: yeah. it's a health book. And in, in writing this book, I was concerned. I know Elvis fans don't want to read a science book. I don't want to read a science book. Um, So I didn't want to bog him down in too much of that. And I wanted to tell the story of Elvis and intertwine that disease and where it comes from, you know, throughout the story. So to keep it interesting. And then, of course, you know, I also hope that non-Elvis fans read it. Um, But it really, his end really does start at the beginning. And it starts with his ancestor and how I was able to trace, especially his other, you know, the other inherited disorder that we know undoubtedly he had was the alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. And I traced that because we know he was a carrier. We can trace it to Gladys and then on to Gladys's mother. And we can talk about that a little bit if you want to. Um, but all of these problems that culminate in 77, they all started you know, long before. And it makes that the, Vals- the Valsalva maneuver, which we'll talk about, um, the fact that that is most likely what stopped his heart that is so related to its colon problem, it's related to the liver problem, you know, it's related to the heart problem, and that all makes it a genetic occurrence.
0: Okay. All right. So the so, this, this, this alpha one, then, if you can just outline exactly what that problem sure. is. Yeah.
1: Well, let me tell you what it is, and then we can trace it. Um, for me, that was kind of the starting point of realizing the major thing that was Um, most obviously wrong in this family because we have to figure out what killed Gladys to really understand Elvis's health problems too and all of Gladys's siblings. Um, So we know that Elvis was a carrier for alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency and again for decades it's been written off because he was just a carrier. Well through my research I have found that it is undoubtedly it's one of the few genetic diseases that as a carrier you can still be affected by. So um, what alpha one antitrypsin deficiency is, is your liver makes a protein and it leaves your liver and it goes to your lungs to protect them. If you have, what's most common for a carrier is the lung problem. So that means that you have deficiency and you're not making enough of that protein. So you don't get all that protection in your lungs. So you end up, you know, it can lead to needing a lung transplant. It can be that bad. Uh, it's often this as COPD, we see Elvis doing an inhaler, um, in one of his concert documentaries, before he goes on stage, yep. we know he had breathing problems. We know he was diagnosed with COPD, so we have to believe that's the alpha one antitrypsin deficiency being present in lung form. Now, you can also it can also impact your liver, which I believe it did with Gladys, because if you have that protein being made in your liver and it's misshaped because you have this genetic condition, then it gets trapped in your liver and it can't leave, and it leads to hepatitis, fatty liver, and then cirrhosis. So, I outline in the book that that is most likely what caused Gladys's demise. And we can trace it up the maternal side of the tree because Gladys's mother, so that first cousin marriage between Bob and Doll Smith, which are Elvis's maternal grandparents, um, Dal Smith in 1904 has her first child and she takes to her bed for 30 years. And she has nine more, eight more children, um, but she is said to have tuberculosis. And, you know, it's very uncommon to live for 30 years with tuberculosis in the early 1900s. It was like five years was a long time. So she lived for 30 years, um, continued to have children, and living in a sharecropper's cabin, cottage, you know, cabin, I suppose, um, close close proximity with a lot of people, no one else catches tuberculosis, uh-huh. which is the most contagious disease, you know, uh, spread through droplet in the air and whatnot. So yeah. the fact that no one caught it, I think we can assume she was misdiagnosed. So she dies of what looks like a lung disease, like tuberculosis, you know, in 30 years, I would say, I would say it's alpha one antitrypsin deficiency because we know Elvis had it and it had to come from somewhere. And then Gladys would be more likely to have that liver problem because she would have inherited two bad genes, one from each parent because her parents were so closely related. Okay. So inheriting two bad genes is much worse than inheriting one bad gene, yeah. if that makes yes. it more sensible, so... So Elvis would have inherited one bad gene, but Gladys would have inherited two, and that's how you know that she has even more liver dysfunction and lung dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But Elvis had fatty liver and liver dysfunction too, which again can be attributed to the to the prescription drug use. But there was something else going on there too, which is why he, you know, he he dies so early. And you know, another thing to line up is the the Memphis Mafia guys, right? They have all said we were taking the same drugs. We were young, so as Joe Esposito says, but we were young, so we could do it. Well, mm. Elvis was young too. Mm. Yet all the other guys live to be 70 and 80, for the most part, and Elvis doesn't. And they're all eating the same bad food, and they're all taking the same pills, you know, to get through the night and the day and all that. Yeah, they're keeping so, the same. They're keeping what,
0: the same hours as Elvis as well. Yeah.
1: Same same hours, same lifestyle, same food, and same pills. You know, Sonny West, Joe Esposito, they've all been quoted as saying, "We all took the uppers and downers." And we Mm -hmm. lived hard for a long time, Mm -hmm. but we were young and we can do, we could do it. I mean, that was the quote from Joe Esposito, And I would just argue that Elvis was young too. Why couldn't he? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, Mm -hmm. and it has to do with, a lot of things came down from that first cousin marriage with the doubling of the gene pool. And you just, as a boy, as a male, especially, which I explain in my book, you're much more likely to inherit um, any bad genes because you only get one X chromosome where females get two. And you can see that in Gladys's family because her four brothers, I think it's three or four brothers, uh, they all, her three brothers, all died very young, between 45 and 55. Mm-hmm. And it's because the males are more likely to inherit these problems. And there's definitely a heart problem. You know, her, her brother, uh, <clears throat> Tracy, Travis, they have had, Johnny, they had stroke and heart attack in their 40s. Very even odd. if it wasn't the the if it wasn't the instance that killed them, even before they had died of similar attacks, they had other heart attacks and strokes in their forties that I found record of. So that's not normal.
2: Hmm.
1: And then when you add that to Elvis having this heart episode through the you know what the latest theory is the Valspa maneuver, um, it's just it's it's more believable, more plausible, more compounded by the fact that. All these males on his mother's side of the family
0: also died of sudden heart situations. So, uh, can we can we now just discuss then what actually happened on the yeah. m- morning stroke afternoon of uh, August the sixteenth? Um, there, there's there's a assumption that uh, it was a drugs overdose
2: that mm-hmm. ki- that killed mm-hmm.
0: Elvis. Some people have said that. Now, uh, the, right. po- the the position of Elvis's body. Uh, leads us to believe that he stood up, took a couple of steps, and then fell forward. Now, right. if 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 it's a drug overdose, you slowly slip into a coma. You don't uh, right. stand up uh, and walk and then fall. So
1: it's a, it's a slow death. Too.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's slow.
1: Exactly. You know, it's it, you kind of fall into slumber. You know, and yeah. and slowly die. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's all indications that uh, uh, his death came very swiftly
1: correct it was it was definitely a heart episode there have been many experts that have said so even in 1994 i believe it was the state of tennessee opened it up again and had uh this renowned medical examiner look at the case he was the medical examiner for jfk and for mlk and he looked at it in 1994 and said you know without a doubt elvis died of a heart episode you know some people can say well the drug brought on the heart attack i would just say there's tons of evidence proving otherwise and the overdose, the overdose theory just doesn't hold up at all, in my opinion, because, like you said, he he stumbled forward, died rather quickly of a heart attack, um, cardiac arrhythmia, and it wasn't a slow death like drugs would bring on. But also keep in mind that the the things that he took that night were the things he took every night.
0: Yes. In the amounts
1: that he always took them, so why would they kill him on that night and not any other night?
0: Well, you see, that is the red herring, isn't it? It's it's the it's the ten drugs that were found. Uh, I think it's ten drugs that were found in his mm-hmm. system. the The one thing that's always a little bit uh, confusing is there was uh, a high level of codeine in his bloodstream. Correct. I think it was ten times the therapeutic level. Um, well,
1: and it was morphine that was found because codeine gets, tra- you know, it gets changed into it appears as morphine and and yeah there was there was codeine so that's always been another one of those theories or conspiracies but we know for sure that elvis took codeine lots of times before that night yeah Uh, we have you know two two um prescriptions that were written in the 60s for codeine that elvis got and took um he found out in the army we know from his medical records that he found out then that he was allergic to codeine, so he knew he was allergic and he still got prescriptions filled for it on multiple occasions. And uh Linda Thompson wrote in her book that yes, Elvis knew he was allergic and he would take it and he would get a little itchy, but that was it. Yeah. And you have would... to remember too, Elvis is taking he's taking antihistamine every day. So that might have also you know, knocked down some of those allergic reactions within his body, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was He was only mildly allergic, as you say. It, it caused him to itch. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yes,
1: and they they also said, you know, the guy who did the examination on the autopsy, said that they checked the larynx for swelling because that would be the number one sign of an allergic reaction to a drug, and yeah, there was none.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, unfortunately, codeine actually causes constipation, so that would have actually compounded mm. his problem uh, he had with his colon as well. So the oldest. Right, these and things. he got it
2: he
1: got it from the dentist. You know, yeah. he got it from the dentist that night. Yeah. So it was a I don't think it was something he took all the time, but he he took it that night, uh, for whatever reason. But we, we know he took it lots of times before that, so you know, I wouldn't say that was a factor. Um, as far as the ten drugs in his system, you know, it's it's really interesting. Again, there's so much contradiction with Elvis. Uh most people even the twenty twenty, you know, show that Geraldo did in seventy eight um 79 i'm not sure what year it was um he only talked about the toxicology report from the bioscience laboratory in california which their conclusion was elvis died from polypharmacy and polypharmacy just means you're taking more than a few prescriptions Hmm. uh, a few drugs and the there was another lab which you know i talk about my book and it's well documented it was the Center for Human Toxicology out of the University of Utah, they also did an analysis and they said their conclusion was that all the drugs were there for a medical reason and in therapeutic range and that he did not die from drugs. So even, you know, immediately after he dies and all studies are being done, those two studies, they come up with totally opposite conclusions. And it's part of the thing that has hurt Elvis's legacy, right? There's so much contradiction, there's never a clear-cut answer, it seems. Yeah. two labs get totally different you know totally different perspective. And, and like you said I think it does a lot of that does circle back to he's this this wholesome decent guy you know raised in Tupelo and then he's this famous rock star that he never anticipated he would be and mm-hmm. there's just some personal conflict i think from those two the yeah. divergent you know path of those two yeah.
0: so um it, it was it was a cardiac a, a event that uh, that finished mm-hmm. Elvis's life
1: yeah, I think, you know, several people have said this, it's not just me. I all most of what is in my book has been said before. I'm just connecting it in a different way.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: That it, you know, that makes a logical sense. Um and one of the things that has been said before, you know, Dr. Nick touched on it in his book and then uh um again the medical examiner that I I believe he did um he was the forensics, you know, guy when um Princess Diana passed and several other high profile people. Um it was his opinion too that it's probably something called the Valsalva Val Maneuver that ultimately kills all And what that means is anytime you strain, you know, whether it's to go to the bathroom or in, in childbirth, you are kind of, you're increasing pressure in your abdomen and chest. And that puts a different kind of strain. It changes the blood flow. So if you already have a problem with your heart, not, you know, pumping blood like it should and your liver is not cleaning blood like it should. And, and all your blood goes through the liver and back to the heart. Uh, Elvis had problems with his heart and his liver, so when blood's not transferring like it should between those organs and then you're straining, you know, it can change just for a moment the the blood flow and the pressure throughout the body and it can cause a heart attack. So it makes sense, you know, that this would happen to Elvis because he's on the we know he's on the bath he's on the toilet when he, you know, passes away, unfortunately. And we know that's where he had his cardiac event. So we also know Dr. Nick has been quoted as saying that Elvis would have been trying extra hard to clear his bowels that day because he knew he was going on tour yeah. and he didn't want to look as bloated. So yeah. he always did that. He always tried harder, you know, to, to go yes. to the bathroom yeah. um, oh. before he went on tour. So it makes sense that here it is, he's straining even harder than normal and then he has this cardiac event that's that's tied to it. Okay. And uh, Dan, Dan Warlick, who was one of the investigators, uh, that was his theory pretty early on and it was kind of dismissed. You know, he had told the... The 2020 investigators you know that were looking into it but that was his theory and they dismissed it and then long and behold all this time later that's what the experts are saying probably killed him
0: yeah i read that book years ago it was called the death of elvis wasn't it i think right Um, yeah yeah and uh i i i I agreed with that that Uh, conclusion all those years ago Mm -hmm. and uh, as you as you quite rightly said you know a a lot of this stuff is already known it's all already been said but your book is just tying it all up and making all sense out of it
1: exactly so when dan warlick says it when that book came out a long time ago and he's dismissed by the other guys you know no he was killed he was killed and it wasn't the Salva maneuver or was harder you know blah 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 Mm.
2: um
1: he's dismissed but now we have more experts Saying it was most likely that, knowing that Elvis had Hirschsprung's disease, which is a genetic, you know, congenital dis- disorder, uh, knowing that he had that constipation problem from birth, it all leads to his untimely death, and it's just pieced together in a way that that now makes sense, in my opinion.
0: I truly hope that uh, your book kind of uh, clarifies it a little bit better, and sort of gets rid of a lot of the myths surrounding Elvis's death as you say, you know, oh, he was a drug addict, he was hopelessly addicted, he ate 20 hamburgers every day and all this and all that, you know, mm-hmm. just just all that mm-hmm. complete and utter rubbish, you know, that there there's, still there's is...
1: so much. And, and as Elvis fans, I don't think we even realize how much of that is out there, right? Because we all look for the truth, we all look for the humanity, we all look for the man and his story, and the people that surrounded him and, and look for the truth in that. But we forget that there's a lot of non-elvis fans out there the people who just know who he was they wouldn't call themselves a fan or have much knowledge of him beyond that and those myths are so um embraced and accepted by a lot of people more so than we realize they're
0: they're, they're deeply ingrained and they're just they're they're just rehashed uh, over time time and time and time and time again and you know, and these articles normally uh, they're accompanied by uh, an unflattering Elvis at the end of his life, uh, when obviously he was uh, you know ill, and he was struggling yeah. with his with his health. Um, so you know, and, and it, it's just yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And and the articles come back around, you know, as fans, we know, because we read the stuff um, when it's his death date or his birthday week, you know, they, the articles come around and they're on a national level and they're in all these different publications. And they mostly talk about how much he ate and all the women and how he died in the bathroom. Mm, and yeah. I just think that's incredibly sad because Elvis truly shifted our culture in a way that had never been done before.
0: Yes. I and,
1: and I understand it's just music and that scene of entertainment, but it's really no different than what Henry Ford did when he made the car affordable for everyone. You know, it shifted the whole universe. Yes.
0: Um,
1: so it's just too bad that so many people only know the negative myths that really aren't even wholly true.
0: And as you say in your book, uh, you feel that Elvis deserves uh, the truth to be known about his health issues and, and how, how he, he died at such an, an early age
1: he deserves it. And I think, you know, the the funny thing, the odd thing is that the, the fact that all this has been buried for so long is partly by his own design because he wanted to be this strong American male. This, you know, this was a different time when you couldn't be, you couldn't show weakness and he's surrounded by all these guys all the time. So there's even more pressure to be that strong male and he's everyone's boss. You have to remember that too. Yeah. And to us, he's Elvis, but to everyone in his world, he was the boss, like mm. the guy in charge. Mm. So, and he knew that and yeah. he had to play that, roll all the time so he couldn't just be like oh i'm, I'm so constipated today you know yeah. <laughs> like that wasn't going to happen because yeah. Yeah. he was the strong man so he hid all of his ailments for many many years from everyone i think his his nurse and his doctor were the only two that knew a lot of it up until the end you know so when it's hard to I think it's hard for some of the guys who saw him take too much medication sometimes and he they saw the other doctors give him too much medication sometimes to say that he wasn't just an addict because that's the part they saw. You know, they weren't there for the time with Doctor Nick when I was to be honest about what was ailing him. They didn't know that so much of the medication he was taking had a purpose, whether it was the constipation or the glaucoma or the diabetes, you know, they or the hypertension. Um, No one at any given time in Elvis's circle knows 100% of what's going on, and Elvis created it that way so that he could, even in his own inner circle, be this strong man all the time. He did not want to show his weaknesses. He didn't want to show that he had these health problems, and you know the medication really allowed him to do that. Now, I think the the sad part is that now, 40-something years later, would Elvis rather be known as a man who had some some illnesses that out of his control and he did the best he could to try to live with them and perform through them? Or would he want to be known as the person who was a a drug addict? Now he'd much rather be (laughs) known as this guy who had some weaknesses and some troubles that were out of his control. But unfortunately, because he hit it so well, all that's been left for decades is the drug and not the why, not why he took them.
0: He, he had a lot to live up to, and uh, it would have broken lesser men. I believe it just shows his, 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 his strength of character that he carried it off for so long
1: without question and his other why of why did he do it? Why didn't he just quit?
0: Mm.
2: Why didn't
1: he stop touring? Yeah. You know, it is because he has to provide for all of those people. He doesn't want anyone to ever go back to the poverty that he came from.
0: Uh, he didn't want to let but, anybody down either. He never wanted to let his fans exactly. down. There's probably only a handful of times when he was so sick that he he, he had to cancel his concerts.
1: And he, he sees over time he's also providing for them, right? He's, hmm. You know, he sees himself as this provider who has to take care of everyone. And then his fans get added to that. He has to provide for them, too. He doesn't want to disappoint them. And then when the touring starts, he has over 100 people on his payroll. So now he's providing jobs and you know money and income and for all of those people, and he can't let them down. So it just grows and grows over time how many people Elvis is providing for. And he, he just feels so responsible in that role, and that is part of what leads to his, his downfall in health, too.
0: Okay, so the book is called Destined to, to Die Young, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's available next month, I believe, uh, Monday, December the 14th. But you can pre-order it now, can't you?
1: You can pre-order it now so that it'll ship out on the 14th, and hopefully people will get it, especially in the States in time for Christmas. And I'm not quite sure how long it'll take overseas, but um, that's the hope, that I can. everything will ship out on the 14th. And we might get a few extra days in there if things go well with the printer, and then it'll definitely get in time for Christmas. But you can absolutely pre-order it
0: on okay. my website there. and uh, at, tell, tell our listeners what the uh, the website is.
1: It's a uh, www.elvisauthor.com. So okay. A U T H O R Elvisauthor.com.
0: Okay, I'll put a link in the description box for the podcast and the YouTube channel as well, and people can just click on that and right. it'll take them straight to the website.
1: Yeah, and I know it's a lot of information. I hope you know, we're kind of jumping around a lot and I hope it makes sense to everyone, but it it really does start with his ancestry and then it moves throughout his life. And and as you know, because you've read it, um, there's just a lot in there and it's hard to explain it all, you know, not in chronological order and have it pieced together. But um, I promise there is a, a process there. And I think as you read it, You'll, you'll see how all of this fits together over time
0: yeah well I was lucky you afforded me uh, the manuscript uh, for me to read in advance of this interview and I just like to tell everybody that it is a very very interesting read and I would recommend it and uh, you, you you've done a great job
1: oh, well thank you for saying that i'm I'm ex- you know it's scary to share something that you worked so hard on for so long um, but I'm i'm super excited to share it and I'm, I'm anxious to hear especially what the fans and the life you know the people that are so knowledgeable about elvis um what they think for sure so i i just so appreciate you having me on and discussing it and sharing it with everyone
0: well thanks for coming on the show sure thank you thanks once again to sally for joining me on the show today Once again, the website to pre-order her book is www.elvisauthor.com. You can contact me by email at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel. All my podcasts are available on all good podcast providers such as Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and iHeartRadio to name just a few. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll join me next time for another episode from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel podcast.